Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Augman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all of your data and leadership questions. Our guest today is Adam Robinson. Adam has never been afraid to shake things up. He's a serial entrepreneur, a wizard of high ROI marketing strategies, and a heterodox thought leader in the realm of digital privacy. At the helm of his MarTech startup, Retention.com, he's melding his iconoclastic style with groundbreaking identity resolution technology to solve the number one problem marketers and e-commerce brands face today, growing, engaging, and reactivating their first-party database. Adam, welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So my first question, and this may be embarrassing for me, but I have kids, so I have no shame. Uh, what's heterodox mean? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought your first question was going to be like, what does that intro mean? I've never actually heard that read before. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm picturing myself on top of some like, you know, rock cliff, like, throwing lightning bolts at people or something. Is that a heterodox? <laughs> I, I, have, I have literally no idea on, on what a heterodox is. All I know is that your marketing budget is bigger than the tens of dollars we spend at Data Leadership for Everyone on our marketing, because that was some good good written stuff. Like, I don't think yeah. GPT could have pulled that one off. Yeah, um, I mean, but well, yeah. give, it a, give it a few months. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's true enough. Um <laughs> So we we were talking a little bit uh, before the show, and and again, you you work in a in a space that's just like magic, I think, to most people. So starting with a question around heterodox, I think, sets the tone fairly well. Uh, but really, it's it's help us understand because there's so many things we could talk about today. But help us understand uh, what we were talking about pre-show. Give us a little bit of introduction. We'll kind of dive into some questions on it. Sure. So retention.com, we sell into a very small slice as our ideal customer profile. Right now it's like the top 0.5% of Shopify stores. Mm. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's like, you know, 20 to 30,000, you know, initial sort of targets we have. Mm. Um, and what we do for them, that there's this, so I'm sure the listeners will not be surprised that the best, most profitable emails a retailer can send are abandonment emails. So the most popular one is the add to cart and then the user abandons. Mm -hmm. That is an incredible sequence to send out as a retailer. If you are not doing that, then you've been living under a rock and you're just cheating yourself. Um, you can set up the same flow if someone doesn't put something in their cart and they just hit the product page and they're looking at an item. That is believe it or not, almost as effective, depending on the brand, it can be even more effective than the add to cart um, flow. So, um, and then, you know, you can go all the way up and down the funnel, depending on how complex the site is. Hmm. Here's the big problem. Only people that are logged in to the store's website actually receive these incredibly lucrative communications. Like, they convert 27 times better than a, than a, than a wow. newsletter does, which is unbelievable. Smaller yeah. volume, of course, but mm -hmm. amazing. You should set up as many of these as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, so the problem is who's logged into Joe Schmo's socksandunderwear.com? Mm -hmm. Nobody, no. <laughs> right? Like you're logged into Amazon, Facebook, Google. <laughs> like, I, you know, maybe I'm yeah. logged into like a CRM or something if I do sales. You are mm -hmm. not logged in to a normal retailer, period. Right. 
Lots of people want to sign out, you know, continue as guests and go buy stuff. There's a million reasons why people aren't logged in. So the problem is the best emails you can send, you're not sending to 85% of the people that you can send them to. Right. So our product is an identity product for unauthenticated and therefore anonymous users. We basically look at signals in the ad tech world and match them to profiles in our identity graph. Mm. So from those profiles, we basically then go an extra step, which is, you know, I have a lot of experience in the email world. My previous company was an email marketing SaaS company. It was like a platform, like let's say MailChimp or Klaviyo or Salesforce Marketing Cloud, something like that, help people deliver campaigns. Um, we are really, really good at figuring out what email is good to give to somebody and what email is not what you call deliverable. Like this whole science, art and science of deliverability is getting an email into the inbox. So we're really good at figuring out who we should tell our customers to email and who we should tell them to not or just pass mm -hmm. on. So the product is you put our pixels and scripts around the site and when users abandon, whether it's just the website or a card or like whatever, for, you know, we will expand the audience of these abandonment communications by five to 10 times sometimes. And wow. at the very top of the funnel, we can help people grow their email list. If they hit the website and leave, you know, the email forms have like a 2% conversion rate at best mm -hmm. three, maybe five. I don't know. Five of you are literally the best in the world. And you have the best landing page ever. I mean, I've heard of them converting higher, but you know, generally somebody hits your homepage on a retailer. It's like 2%. Sure. And we can get to like 40, right? <laughs> like 20 times is good. So, um, you know, these products are transformational to, to, to retailers. Um, and, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> oh, I have so many questions. I have yeah, so yeah. many questions. I, I mean, I can guess, I can guess what they are because I've been doing this for three and a half years. I, so, I'm sure. Fire away. Yeah. So, so I think that the benefit to the businesses is obvious. Like that makes right. a ton of sense and what have you. I have two lines of questioning and you can pick which, which path you want to go down first. It's, First, I'm curious is what is the kind of data that you leverage as much as you can tell us about how do you make that connection on the back end to to a person who has an email who you know of from another context or from something in your in your graph, which I'm familiar with graph technologies and, and I understand how how you can kind of make that traversal to find those things. Um, but we can talk a little bit about that, talk about how how those mechanics work. And then two, how do you gauge what is kind of my, my, my friend, uh, Bill Tannenbaum, a, a data lawyer, he, he talks about the creepy factor. What is, right. how do you keep this from being like, I never gave you this email. Why are you calling me here? Like that right. I could see turning people off. So, so pick, pick a path and we'll, we'll loop back to the other one. Totally. So, um, I would say, so how does it work is like a good one. So we have a fully permissioned identity graph where signal is being fed in from cookie networks, right? So kind of connecting the two mm -hmm. is, you know, somebody opts into something like a lead generation site that has terms of service that basically says they're going to be cooking their data would be sold. Like mm -hmm. that's the idea, mm -hmm. right? So that's, yeah. you know, and, and it's several different ways of identity, but that's the spirit of it, right? So, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just connecting, you know, 
basically getting that in one place and then looking for it in another place. So, so in layman's terms, so like when we go to a website and they they throw up that obligatory banner that everyone just hits accept on, if they then have in those um, kind of uh, fine print that if you have provided your email address, then we can provide that to other marketing partners or, or what have you. They, they would then need that's, to say that's that, how you and would... you would need to provide them your email address. Exactly. Right. So right. It, you source it. They source the email from somewhere through these networks. You're one of the people that would buy that information to help build out that collection of, of data or, or somehow right. otherwise get that that information that was agreed to be shared. Like right. that's how that happens in the first place. And and I think I think this helps connect something that we've all experienced with like those banners that say, hey, you know, this is why we're asking you to use cookies and, and all of that. And so that that makes sense. And then you can take that from multiple says, uh, multiple sources, presumably to then be able to make additional connections, package it all up together and then by connecting additional information from your customers, they can then understand, hey, we can connect into, now we have an, an identity of this person who is actually on your site. We can through totally, you know, reasonable, I mean, from from the, the marketing space, you know, reasonable mechanisms, then send a follow-up email to them uh, based on their, their shopping characteristics. Am I paraphrasing correctly or have I missed anything there? That's basically, you got it. Nice. That's what's happening. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's oh. it's just you know in in the 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 one sentence is like yeah we're taking these signals from ad tech and mm -hmm. we're making them usable in martech through sure. a fully permissioned uh, path, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and then the creepiness factor. So this is like um, it's a great debate, but it's a debate, it, it, mm -hmm. and it's not a legal debate, by the way. Like in America, like mm -hmm. can spam is an opt out legislation. It's not opt in like. You know, it, it is certainly a, if you want to call it an, it, it, like ethical probably isn't the right word, but it's like, yeah. you know, is this creepy or not? Like it's, it's a creepy debate. So, um, to me, email is very easy to judge if you're being creepy or not, especially on the consumer side, you use these email marketing and marketing automation apps and they have reporting. If you send an email to low intent unengaged people and content they're not interested in, they don't want, they will mark spam and they will unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. If you send a, a, to a list of people who is hot. So like I'm saying irrespective of whether these people opted into your website or not, right? if right, you yeah, send yeah. email to people and they want it and they don't mark it as spam and they don't unsubscribe, G Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, they will give you incredible inbox placement and you will be able to do that increasingly effectively throughout your life. Mm -hmm. The opposite is true. Even if they opted in on your site, if you're sending bad mail that they don't want and they're not engaged, it will become harder for you to hit the inbox over time. Mm -hmm. So email marketing is about engagement. Yeah. It is not about, and it's about intent and it's about relevance. It's about timeliness. Um, that's my opinion. Uh, so... One of our uh, largest customers, Dr. Squatch, when they were, they had this hesitation as well. Is this creepy? Mm -hmm. The thought experiment they did was, if I think about my promotions folder, where this will probably go, and promotions folder, they work. If I think about everything that's in there, and then I all of a sudden put an email in from a website that I had gone somewhat down the funnel on 15 mm -hmm. minutes prior, 
it's probably more relevant than anything else in that promotions folder. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the way they thought about it. I thought it was really well articulated. Um, I had been saying something to the effect of, you don't really even have to believe me, just see how it delivers and then make a decision for yourself. Like <laughs> I can sit here and say the delivery is great all day long. You're not going to believe me anyway until you do it. So just try it on small size. And then you will see that this does not bother people. You know, yeah. it, it, any more than normal email marketing does. Um, and that, you know, you can have a debate about that. It's like, I hate all these newsletters I'm on. It's like, well, some people don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate getting cold calls. It's like, well, we still got an outbound sales operation. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why it works. <laughs> Sometimes it's the only way to do it. You know? Yeah. It, it, it makes sense. I, it feels there's an aspect to this that almost feels like this is a drug for marketer, like like for these these customers because it's it's so attractive to use these that sometimes I think there's a danger of losing that good sense because everything you said in in the explanation and what Doctor Squatch was doing like all of that resonates I get that and I think that's valuable but then I think back to literally <clears throat> an interaction I had yesterday was somebody who had sent me spam who had I had not in, had any interest in talking to didn't know what the company was what have you they had sent me spam I had opened up the email to market as spam and then it went to spam they followed up and said well I noticed you opened my email and now Incredible. I'm going, I, I think you should definitely talk to me and I'm like please never right. contact me again and so it was like it felt to me like me marking them as spam in the first place, like got them all excited because I actually opened their email, but it was literally to market as spam. And so I think that it, it, it just, sometimes I think these things get, they spin a little bit out of control in the, in the real world. Um, so if someone is, that kind of can't happen if uh, on B2C, if you're using one of these email marketing apps, because the feedback loop for spam is so quick. Like you won't, uh -huh. you will not receive another email if you market spam or unsubscribe mm -hmm. that because, you know, a lot of these people, it's like they, they deal with shared IP pool. It's like, it's like there is a lot of incentive to not allow that on the, right. Right. on both sides. It's a weird experience. I would say that's, a, that, that categorizes as abusive sending. Like mm -hmm. if, an individual doesn't want you to send them an email if they market a spam. Like you should not, no matter what. I'm not advocating that <laughs> that that brand should follow up, right? Like, uh, I but I I will I will defend the the strategy that we implement to my grave because I just see it working for people, and it's mm -hmm. you know from from I do not have a single piece of evidence that would suggest that it is in aggregate you know, any worse to the consumer than the email that the brands are already sending. You could argue oh, yeah. that they're probably sending too much already. Like, I don't know. Are they like, you know, it just is what it is, you know? Yeah. I, well, and, and, and to be fair, like, I think people have to, at this point, ha have throttling controls over their email flow. Like things like that promotions subfolder or, or other box where you just, you know, you're going to get marketing emails and many of the marketing emails you can choose like when you say unsubscribe, they will stop sending them to you. And like, to be fair, I think exactly what you have just said is all 
completely accurate. I, I would agree with you on all of those points. I think that there's bad actors in any industry, in any business that that um, can hurt people's perception of that that broader industry. But I do feel like at this point, marketing emails and getting those uh, updates and new products and, and that stuff are, are something that I think most people want to have to some extent or another. And I certainly, if I looked at my um, kind of subfolder for promotions right now, every single email in there is something that I chose to receive uh, because yeah. I want to be informed about that particular product or that particular store or, or what have you. And I think that that provides a service. It's certainly oriented towards selling on the uh, company side. But for me as a person, I become more informed. And when I'm ready to make a purchase, I will. And sometimes I'll act on a deal or, or something like that. So I do think that this is inherently a positive for helping people. I mean, there's been times when I literally didn't even mean to abandon a cart. I thought like I got distracted by something and then realized, oh, yeah, I never bought that thing that I had totally meant to buy. And it never came. Oh, yeah, I never got past the shopping cart. So that's that's real. That happens. And so I think it's fair game if you reach that point in a shopping experience to just say, hey, you know, that's good. I wouldn't say like there's some that that get a little too aggressive with that, in my opinion, and send five of those. Hey, we, we're telling you again, that cart right. still got something in it. And like that, that gets a little bit. Tiresome. Yeah, there's an optimal number. I think it's like, you know, you try them once, maybe you try them the next day and the third day, you give them a crazy offer, you know, 40% off or something to come back. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably it. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. So is there, are there, cause you, 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 you spiked my interest in, uh, how you might be able to do other things with this underlying graph of the, uh, different signals and, and identities and, and all that. Are there other applications that your organization does leveraging those kinds of connections? Like what other kinds of services do you, do you potentially offer or is, is out there in the space? Cause I think a lot of the audience, the whole ad tech and MarTech worlds are completely new. So I'm, I'm yep. you know, some one-on-one uh, insight would be awesome. So our customers use Facebook for advertising and that pixel gets blocked a lot of places. Our pixel mm -hmm. actually, you know, has like a net additional audience of like 30 or 40% beyond what, what Facebook can capture for a targeting audience now. Mm -hmm. So that's great. You know, the, the ROAS on, Every customer we've seen use it is is you know as good or better than their their retargeting audience. Um, so in order, you know, I mentioned before that we only give customers highly deliverable emails. We're buying a bunch of open and click signal from the the email ecosystem in order to clean these. And what mm -hmm. I mean is, we're not giving someone an email unless it was on their website. And we have seen an open or click event somewhere else in the last seven days. So highly active, high intent. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, this is how you make a strategy like this work. Um, another use of this email signal is that, uh, so the danger of sending to a list of emails all at once is that there are spam traps. Spam traps are old emails that have not been used for like a year, year and a half where Gmail or whoever, they roll them to an address to where they know if you're sending to a list and this email's on there, you bought that. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. this person did not opt in in the last 12 months because it doesn't exist. So a great way to clean email lists is by using last known open date. So we have, a, you know, we have the ability to basically tell people, 
of your, you know, if a brand emails for five or 10 years, they probably have a lot of emails that they're no longer sending to. So we can take that list, that dead list and basically say, Hey, you know, these, these people are dead to you. A third of them are not dead to us. So you should still try mm -hmm. to reactivate them and, and sort of, you know, try to win them back to your active segment. So those are a couple other products. One thing that we can do that we don't do that, um, larger companies are interested in is CRM unification. Mm. So if, you know, there's five different email addresses for the same person, we can tie all those profiles together, but we're just, we're, we're not selling to an audience that they're not large enough to value that yet for the most part. Um, and then, you know, for any brands using a CDP, and the purpose of a CDP, a customer data platform, it's like, mm -hmm. so a CRM or an email marketing app in the retail side, you're basically, you know, segmenting people after you've captured their contact information and sending them messages, however you want to do that. Brands are starting to use CDPs more that track anonymous users before you capture the information in hopes that with the information that you gathered when they were still anonymous, you could segment them when you start messaging them better. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, we can just help that process a lot because we can identify them at the top of the funnel with addressable identifiers and enrich that data with demographic and, you know, kind of gives the CDP more, uh, more firepower to work with. It makes it better at what it's doing or attempting to do. Yeah, this is this is fascinating stuff because it, it is really a glimpse behind the curtain of the Internet of how a lot of these things that we interact with all the time really start to function behind the scenes and, and how some of these things that we observe have been uh, facilitated, how they've been made possible. So this is really exciting stuff. I'm, I'm curious because I could imagine that while you're targeting a relatively uh, – successful subcomponent of, of that, that kind of uh, online retailer space and the Shopify uh, markets for smaller stores or, or people that don't have the budget to work with you directly. Like what would your advice to them be to help grow their brands to a point where they would be able to, to work with you more directly? Uh, I mean, you know, how do you grow a business, right? Yeah. <laughs> so my view is, product market fit is the reason anyone makes it anywhere. And the stronger your product market fit is probably the farther you're going to make it. So I think it depends on, on, you know, at what point these businesses are that you're asking. But uh, I mean, I, to me, I'm always trying to improve our product, add value to it, you know, understand the customer and their needs better, you know, understand if I can, qualify and hone in on who I'm targeting better, you know, make the messaging clearer, um, you know, uh, may, remove friction from anywhere in the business. These are just kind of core, no matter what business I was in, I would be focused on all of that constantly. Like as the person running it, that's kind of, now it's very high level. I just see that as my, as my, to guide people in working all of that. Um, that's yeah. sort of my, 
you know. I, I think that's right. That was a that was a, a a nebulous question that I that I asked yeah. you on that on that. But um, so in, in the last minute that we have for for anybody who's uh interested in learning more about this or, or following up or, or learning more about your business, what what's the best next step for them to take? Where should they go? Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. My handle's Retention Adam. I'm Retention Adam on Twitter. www.retention.com is where you can learn about us. We just rebranded and switched our website yesterday. It's going to be mm-hmm. buggy for another day or two, but uh, it's, it's a cool new look. Uh, very un-SaaS, which was what I was going for. Um, so, so yeah, those are the three places. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for being on the show and, and sharing some of uh, this kind of hidden world with us. And, and I'm sure the audience really appreciates it. I, I know I learned a lot. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And everybody, this podcast is data leadership for everyone. But if you need some data leadership for you, I want to help. So send your questions to podcast at dl4e1.com or my phone number is 773-888-2077. If you prefer to text or leave a voicemail, happy to address a question on the show or connect separately. You can find subscription links in all our episodes at dataleadershipforeveryone.com. And until next time, be good to your data, be better to your business and be best to each other. Now go make an impact. 